Natalie Costa, absolutely delighted to have you on the show, the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. We met on LinkedIn and also you introduced me to my previous guest, Elliot. So thank you for that. That was a brilliant podcast. How are you today? Thank you. No, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. It's been an early start. I've already done a chunk of work, but we yeah. are we are ready to go. So I'm well, thank you. And it's a pleasure to be here as well. Um, I love the content you put out and yeah, always glad if I can make an introduction to Great, thank you. Well, do you want to start by telling the audience kind of what you're doing now and then we'll delve into the rest of it? <laughs> yeah, okay. How long have we got? Um, <laughs> so I am the founder of Power Thoughts. It's a coaching and educational program I put together uh, really to help children realize that you don't have to believe every thought you think or respond to everything you feel. Um, so that started about five, five, six years ago. Prior to that, I was a primary school teacher. Um, and it really sparked because of a few reasons, because I um, was diagnosed with depression and anxiety in my teens. And I could see so many of the children that I was working with as a school teacher, how stressed they were about year six and year seven and secondary school and all that sort of thing. And um, I knew that there was something else I also needed to do because I was a teacher, but I always felt like, is this it? There's something else I should do. So, so long story short, Power Thoughts was created from that. And um, I, I now deliver workshops occasionally in schools around confidence, mindset, embracing mistakes, navigating friendships, um, specifically focusing on the primary sector. Um, and then I also have my private clients as well that I work with and um more recently spending a lot more time focusing on supporting parents mm. because whilst my initial you know my initial key was to support children but it, it started with us as adults and as parents and how many parents I work with you know and myself as an adult included I wasn't taught the skills to regulate my emotions nobody taught me about my thoughts and don't believe your thoughts and how mm. to deal with self-doubt and so it really does start with, you know, re-educating parents, but from a place of understanding that they are learners too. You know, nobody's got this all figured out. And yeah. you are raising yourself as you're raising your child. And um, so, you know, a lot of the work now is around supporting children through their parents and um, yeah. going into the corporate sector as well, because I find that many of the corporates are, you know, really wanting to look after the well-being of their parents. And so delivering mm. workshops in that capacity so yeah a lot of different different <laughs> things that we do it's exciting <laughs> absolutely fascinating and I, I've got a hunch that although you're coaching your children or your or the parents are coaching their children you're also coaching the parents as well because the what the parent what you're teaching the parents the parents teaching the kids I think the parents are going actually I need to do this for myself Oh, 100%. And that's exactly what I tell parents. I say, if anything, you are doing this first before your child does it. So when we're talking about the body signals and power breathing and using the take five breathing strategies or catching catching the nuts, those negative and helpful thoughts, you're modeling this mm -hmm. to your child mm -hmm. because they, unfortunately, they don't do what we tell them to do. They do what they see, right? Mm -hmm. And and But it's also along, you know, definitely bringing in that self-compassion because a lot of the parents I work with beat themselves up or feel really guilty because, you know, it's my fault and understanding that, we grew up with a very different generation of parenting. Mm. And so you're only doing the best that you're doing with the tools that you have and the knowledge that you have at that point in time. Okay. Um, and it's really, it's hard and it's hard. That is one thing as well. It's really, really hard. And 
there is no way other than like mm. sometimes this stuff is just you know it's really hard I, I just think that everyone's got this issue pretty much i mean obviously I, I don't know that for certain but i think the way the system is set up education society how we've all been indoctrinated whether you're born in the 60s 70s or even recently it doesn't i don't think it matters I, I think it's getting better but i think i think we're 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 pumped with various forms of information or how we should be or or you know what's conformity and i, I think it's i, I think the structure of our society is actually very, very damaging. Mm, yeah, I agree. I think definitely, you know, um, I did a workshop the other day for a company on motivation in terms of motive, how to be motivate our children. And also, you know, where does this self-doubt and this critic start to come from this negative chatter? And, you know, if we think about it, um, in terms of how our society is set up is like when I have this job, then I'll be successful. When yes. I have this, then I'll... but it starts at school. It yes. starts at school. It really does. You know, in year one, when I was a year one teacher, and they do spelling tests. You know, you know, I've got a two out of ten, but I'll be successful when I've got the ten out of ten. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're doing that from from that young age, and so it becomes. Mm. You know, and that's the thing that I say as well. Like I work with some fantastic schools that definitely want to do more in terms of growth mindset but mm. we, we teach it but we're not deliver we're not teaching our children in a growth mindset fashion in terms of they still have to get those scores to get to that school to get to that set and the, yeah. and the identity that they then have is if i'm not achieving this grade then i'm not successful so my self-worth becomes attached to that i mean i i, I would swap a bunsen learn how a bunsen burner works algebra pie charts and longshore drift for um emotional regulation mental health and well-being financial management and conflict resolution something like that you know? <laughs> yeah. oh well i totally well i mean i actually literally have a post ready to go out on that because it was like it's these things it's the same as you know if you're bringing in relationships and being married to someone yeah and that's the other thing as well like it is like you know I've often thought like well this is the same as running a business but when I have be have a good marriage I've got to make sure that I'm learning about this yeah. reading the books the podcasts edgy I mean my husband probably doesn't you he's like you just take too much but it, it's the same thing because nobody teaches us. Nobody mm. teaches us these skills. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we should start a new stuff. Stuff. I, want to, <laughs> I want to delve into that and, and your, some of your techniques and uh, mm -hmm. results and um, everything else later on. But I want to know more about you as an individual and a human being. And um, you talked about your depression, which I want to dive into. I asked all my guests this. Paint, paint us a picture or describe your journey, really, from school to now. Yeah, um, I definitely was, you know, grew up in, you know, mum and dad, ha you know, loving home, how, you know, my dad was, you know, close to my mum, dad worked. Um, but definitely in, in, in South Africa as well. So I grew up in South Africa. Uh, my dad's Portuguese, my mum's South African. Um, but I was definitely not, the, not confident. I was struggle I was one of the shy the shy girls wasn't popular a uh, bit of the class geek um definitely struggled you know especially if I work with kids now around friendships asserting my voice um not being the popular or the cool one the mm. people pleaser um and you know anxiety and worry was very much um just a thing that I observed as well I think if I just look at my parents, I mean, I'm a loving relation with the parents, but you have know, often had conversations about this is my dad had a tendency to worry and focus on the negatives. And 
my mum would worry and then growing up in South Africa with the climate you'd naturally worry a lot more if somebody's not home what's happened and worst case scenarios so it's and this is a lot of work that I'm currently unpicking in terms of my anxiety and managing it and being able to work with it is okay I can see how that was just my reality in terms of worst case look after nothing ever happened but it was just it that was just the way that you know the mindset um and so I think yeah towards in my early teens I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety I was put on medication um and it was it was a really tough time it nothing bad happened but I definitely don't remember chunks of it you know and I do I mean, so sorry to interrupt you. I mean, I mean, so to have depression in the first place, but then to be actually diagnosed with it, knowing you've got it at that age, that must have been really tough. Yeah, I do. You know what? It feels so far removed. I, I think I was a little bit more relieved that I knew what was going on, why I felt the way that I felt. Um, I think we know we've definitely advanced so much more in the field of mental health as well. I think mm-hmm. if it is now and nothing against medication, but I think maybe other interventions would have been put in place before. Yes. Um, and, you know, if I really have to look back and understanding, because I, you know, I, I studied teaching as a teen, uh, not as a teen, but after school, I went and became a primary school, you know, study teaching. Yeah. But I also studied psychology because I wanted, um, my main aim is actually to become an educational psychologist. So I did the two degrees together. Okay. Um, and one of the things, you know, that I, I personally feel is more anxiety than depression because the two are, mm. are quite different. Um, Talk to us about that. What's the difference in your opinion? I can only speak personally, um, but I think for myself, you know, the the anxiety is a bit more frantic. It's a bit more up here and the thoughts and like the, the, the panic. I've never had a panic attack, but it can be this real panic mm. in my chest and like mm. my heart's racing. Yeah. Whereas depression, yeah. it's a lot more lethargic. It's a lot more. The, so the anxiety is do, 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 do. And I definitely, I totally relate to high functioning anxiety as well. Like I tick all the boxes. Yeah. I'm fully aware of that. And I'm like, we've got to make, you know, we're, we're, we're busy making some changes, which is incredibly hard. Um, because it's also how you're conditioned. Yes. Because I think part of the thing is like, I had this, you know, and I mean, you know, my dad was, you know, Portuguese. He moved over to South Africa. He worked really hard. So this belief of I've got to work hard to be successful and I would see him work hard. Yeah, I'd absolutely. see him work long hours. And so this, I've got to work hard. I've got to get that 80%. I've got to get that 100%. Yeah. All that fuels that anxiety. I, I, I think I think this is an, an underplayed thing, but I think as you rightly say, whether it's a man or woman, mother or father, you know, we're, we're indoctrinated to, to, to be this sort of work, you know, work hard to, to pay for our children's, to provide for our children. But actually it does damage there and then but i think there's associated long-term damage i think it le- it can lead to things like adhd and other stuff because it's it's, it's it, it, there's a lot of collateral damage to that kind of approach to life isn't there mm-hmm. yeah totally and i mean burnout you know yeah. that's that's the thing and not feeling that you know you don't have the, your your energy levels on there and then it, it yeah. just yeah i mean and, you know this is where I'm, I'm walking it through it now so it feels very i'm very aware of what i'm doing and it's mm it's i mean not too long ago it was like we've got things have to change things yeah. have not what got me here is not going to get me there in terms yeah. of where i want to get to you touched on medication now i i've suffered from depression anxiety and mental health 
issues. Um, I'm fine now. I'm great now. I think everyone's got mental health, and I've been through it, and everyone knows that. And I don't. I, I think I don't think it's a stigma to admit it. I think I think it's a stress, a, a strength to to admit that. But um, mm-hmm. I tried. Um, you got sertraline or something like that and it, it literally was the worst thing so for me mm. personally i'm not speaking for everybody because i know medication does work but i actually want to delve deeper with that and i i say any medication for mental health i think is only really putting a plaster on it mm. I, th- I think there's different interventions and techniques and mindset stuff you can do and the thoughts and feeling stuff that you do mm. will answer what would you say to that i would say you know, I think if I look at some friends of mine, you know, mums, new mums, in terms of like the hormonal changes that take place, I would say that sometimes medication for short bursts of time, yeah. I think, you know, and I think, it, again, it, 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 it varies from person to person. And sometimes there really can be a chemical imbalance, but, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, that that's needed. But I, I don't know if you follow Dr. Daniel Amen, um, the founder of Amen Clinics, that talks a lot about brain health and he does brain scans and he looks right. at like, the blood flow to the brain. And just it's really insightful in terms of how often we misdiagnose or just so quickly give medication when actually there's something going on in terms of the blood flow of the brain and what we can do naturally in terms of our diet. And I mean, our gut, serotonin, most, most of the serotonin is produced in your gut. So those sort of things yeah. that make such a big impact. Absolutely. Um, and so again, you know, and I'm not on medication anymore. I think I stopped, you know, it's about 23, 24. And yeah. I just, and, and in, in my case, I, I, and I didn't even know the reason I just decided I wanted to stop and, mm-hmm. um, it just wasn't, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. let's see if we can make this work because I've now been on it for what, 10, you know, maybe, maybe eight years or so. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, I do. You know, for me, I just I, I want to manage it in but, but a more natural for way. For me, it was like if if I think I'm depressed, I'm going to be depressed. If I think I'm anxious, I'm going to be anxious. And it's it's it, as we all know, we can't just snap out of it and say I'm not anxious and not depressed. But with the medication, when I was taking medication, it felt like you know I definitely have something wrong with me. I need this medication. I can't be normal without the medication. For me, that was quite damaging. For me, I think no, hang on a second. I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it in a way where I I'm in control of this. I don't I don't want an external thing put in my body to make me think that's anything that's going to get me better. That was my mindset. Yeah, and I think you know I I think you know it it really is very individual. I think for some people it might be the crutch that they need to get themselves back up because I've definitely you know seen yeah. cases or heard cases like that before. Mm-hmm. I actually think Mel Robbins talks about this as well. Like that yeah. was that was the crutch that That's she needed. Yeah. So again, it's 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 um. I think it's just going with what you feel works for you but you know it's equally the side effects that so many of these things mm. can have and not feeling good on it i mean that yeah that, that's well, really that's, that's the critical point though isn't it it's a bit like leadership management your child is it, as a parent or as a leader or as a human being or as a friend or whatever it's knowing what's good for you or the person you're working with or with it's never a one-size-fits-all and i think the problem is that we're, we're, we're pushed over to the doctors and the doctor will just write you have that tablet, you have that tablet. And that's not always the right solution, is it? No, it's not. And, you know, and I think there's so much more in terms of understanding the body, in terms of understanding, you know, and it's not just the power of your thoughts because you can't always think yourself out of things. And I'm actually reading a really fascinating book by um, Dr. Russell Kennedy called Anxiety Rx, which is all about 
anxiety as being an alarm in the body and we get so conditioned to think our way out of it but actually this is um you know this is unprocessed emotion in the body that links back to you know when you were younger and you know not not you know and not blaming our parents or things like that but it's it could just be what a friend said at school and is that that unprocessed emotion that like little five and six year old you don't have what i mean the medication will stop the the feeling but actually it won't resolve the feeling i don't think and, and I, I think unless you delve deep and take some psychology or some therapy and get to that root cause i, I don't think you'll ever personally i don't think you'll ever get to where you want to get to but we, we can we can dive into that another time um i want you to carry on with your journey because you, you talked to your, your you know your early teens where you had that depression um so what happened around that time and beyond that uh, so then I, yeah, I think, you know, that was a bit of a, a difficult, that was a difficult time. Um, and I think, you know, just in terms of not knowing who I am, you know, feeling lost in it, but equally, like I said, having a sense of relief of, okay, well, this explains, there's nothing wrong. Like I now know what's, what's up. We now know what's up. So I did find that that for me, that was really helpful. Yeah. And I think my parents as well. Um, and then I went on to, to uni. So I never really knew what I wanted to do after school. And uh, parents said me like do these tests. And I remember there was like a nurse. I was like, no, that's not going to happen because I can't do body fluids. It's just, that's never going to happen. Um, I was, I was really into art. I loved art and I did two art majors, um, like in your A levels. I did two art subjects. Um, so graphic design was something that I was considering. Yeah. It was very much what's a safe job. What's a safe job and teaching was one of the things that came up and I remember thinking oh okay be a primary school teacher I could do art classes like completely rose coat you know sugar coat this thing I mean fast forward I absolutely hated teaching art because it was such a mess and I don't like mess I was like I was like I didn't enjoy teaching art to five and six year olds but um I went on and I did my teaching degree but I, I think after my first year in teaching degree, I said to my mom, I don't know if this is for me. And she's like, well, just stick through it. Let's, let's, you know, it's safe. Let's mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. So I did my psychology degree um, in addition to that in the evenings. So and the dad do the teaching in the evenings. I go do my psychology. And I love that. Yes. Um, and then I decided to continue, finish my teaching degree and then continue and do my honors in um, psychology. And um, love that as well. And I thought, well, you know, they were quite selective in terms of who they took on their master's program because I thought about educational psychology. And around 2005, 2006, it was quite the craze for a lot of South Africans to come over and to teach here in the UK. So I thought, well, let me go. Dad's Portuguese. I've got, you know, dual citizenship. Come and teach for two years and then go back. Um, But that never happened because I ended up staying here. Right. Um, and then but I, re- I wasn't happy as a teacher. I knew from, I was like, this is not me. And that little voice inside was, there's something else. Mm. Um, and I remember feeling, again, really lost the first few years. I was a supply teacher, a lot of schools in London. Um, and I worked with the Islington Behavioral Support Services for a while. I enjoyed that because yeah. it was more one-on-one work versus a whole class setting. Um, but then I had to go back and get some qualified teacher status. So you have to be back in a mainstream school. Mm. And throughout this whole time, I'm thinking about what if that can do? What, what do I want to do? Because by then I also realized, I actually don't know if I want to go down the psychology route. I think there's something else. So um, I then got into the fitness industry just because I love keeping fit. And so I was really inspired by some fitness instructors. And I was like, do you know what? I'd love to do this. 
Um, but I did have a limiting belief, but but I can't do this. I teach five and six-year-olds. That's what I'm good at. I'm not good at teaching adults. Yeah. But that really led me on a journey, um, really of self-discovery, if I look at the dots now, in terms of being confident at speaking and presenting. So I trained to be a fitness instructor. I taught, um, you know, spin boxing and that kind of thing. And I loved it. But again, I was teaching full time, five and six months a day, and then I was covering these classes at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, well, I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. Like, yeah. you know, this has got like a lifespan. And, you know, when I'm 40, <laughs> how are we going to be doing this? And um, the school I was with, then sent me on a coaching course, not being paying much attention. They said, oh, we've got this, you like your PE, you like your coaching, right? Fitness. I think it's a PE coaching thing. Do you want to look at it? I'm going to send you some stuff. And then when I got the information, I was like, oh, this is a taster to life coaching. I was like, well, this sounds interesting Mm because, you know, it covers like the psychology routes and so forth. So I then obviously qualified to be a coach um and initially still working at school full-time covering classes in the evening as and when yeah and um then decided look I want to work with women making career changes but again that little voice and I kind of like the gut was just like this isn't it but I pushed I pushed for about three years trying to like no this is going to work this is going to work this way and trying to get clients in the evening but it just yeah Mm. That little voice that you talk about, that you've talked about throughout this podcast, and it's been with you since, you know, a very early age, that's obvious. I have the little voice, and I'm sure many people, well, everyone has that little voice. My view is that little voice isn't my little voice. It's a external voice that's been indoctrinated in me from what I've absorbed, my environments, and I think people don't understand that. And I, the way I've conquered that is once I know it's not necessarily me saying, you're not good enough, you're shit, whatever don't do it don't you can't do it it's kind of like i befriend it i talk to it and go hello mate how you doing kind of like embrace it and isn't that the same with those feelings of shame guilt fear until you actually embrace them rather than trying to run a marathon or drink a drink and go and go on a run to to avoid it you're never going to grow yeah for me i think you know totally yeah there's a lot in there i'm just thinking there's a lot (laughs) definitely like um you know um recognizing those feelings and sitting with them not resisting them because I think the biggest discomfort comes when we resist those feelings and it can feel so uncomfortable and that's why these feeling it feels really big but also for me that little voice is more that that gut that gut feeling that right. I'm doing the wrong thing I was in the wrong place doing the wrong thing mm-hmm. um that this wasn't what I meant to be doing. Just, I don't know, I, I can only describe it as like an inner knowing, like. Mm. That's, that's interesting though, because they, they they say, and they're right, you trust your gut. And but, yeah. but then if you're saying your gut's also that sort of, you've got an angel and a devil as well. You don't, mm. you don't always want to be trusting it, do you? Or am I wrong? It's, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a skill that you need to practice listening to the gut. Right. And it can feel really scary. And it can feel really, do I do this? But how I've learned to listen to my guts is, um, and this does take practice, this does take practice, is if there is something that I need to do and it makes me, and, I, and, I, and I've done this, but I just, you know, I get quiet and I'm just like, okay, what am I, and it's always here. It's always like here. Yeah. I'm like, is this well, feeling- belly button area, is that right? Yeah, right. yeah. Like, is this feeling an expansive- excited feeling 
or is that a ooh feeling? Mm -hmm. And the minute is that, oh, I know that that's probably not the right thing for me. I'll still sometimes do it, and then I'll realize, what the hell was I doing? Yeah, I knew right. that I shouldn't have done right. that. Right. Um, and so that gut feeling was guiding me in terms of the teaching. This isn't it. This isn't so, it. So what I'm picking up here is that it's about sometimes slowing down to speed up. Because, oh, you know, yeah. where I went wrong was I'm, I, I, did, I was quite impulsive and, you know, you know, ambitious and driven and kind of like, let's do it now. On one hand, that enabled me to push and drive and be successful. On the other hand, it messed up a lot of my life as well. And I think what I've learned is even if you pause or breathe for three or four seconds, it can completely change the dynamic of what you're going to do. Yeah, 100%. And it can feel really uncomfortable doing that. And I speak from experience as well. I mean, I am good at listening to my gut, but that I'm not perfect at it. And there are definitely, especially now in like a bit of a growth phase that I'm in. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have time to pause. I don't have time to think about it. I'm just going to do this. But actually being still and maybe is it Simon? I don't know if you come across Simon Alexander Ong. Um, he's right, definitely heard of him. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely someone you should have on here. Right. I'm sure it was his on his somewhere. He's quoted like it's only in like that, and I'm butchering his quote, but it's only in you know in that stillness that you find the true answer. And we get so caught up here, yeah, that we're tapping out of what's going on in here, and there is a full. Yeah full blown connection between the two 100 percent. i mean there's, there's a lot of people listening to this like you know my audience is is far and wide but they tend to be uh ceos entrepreneurs running businesses got kids for example mm -hmm. I, i'm an ned i've got 15 different businesses going on i've got two kids i'm a coach and i've, I've got other coaches and I, I kind of know what i do but i mean how can someone find the time if they're, if they're a parent they've got a four-year-old and a six-year-old they're you know they're running around what, what advice can you give around life harmony i guess mm. oh well okay first of all <laughs> what does life harmony look like and feel like to you i think it's you know that's different for everyone um but the other question i want to pose there and this is something to think about is What's the cost of you not taking 10, 20 minutes out mm -hmm. if you are feeling unsettled? Um, what's the cost of you not doing that? You know, like in, in you know, in the nicest possible way, how's it working for you now? It yeah. clearly isn't if you're feeling dissatisfied. And I mean, this is, you know, a very frank conversation I've had with myself because yeah. I love what I've built with Power Thoughts. I'm changing lives. I've worked with yeah. like over 40,000 children. I know what makes kids tick. Like, and I'm really good at what I do. But I'm also realizing that the business I'm building is it's not serving me energetically in terms of yeah. I'm giving Yes. But uh, I need more time. And I've had exactly that same thing of, okay, we need to actually just, maybe we just yeah. need to take a day and just figure out what it is that you want to do. And that can feel really scary because I, our brain likes what's familiar. I think, I think it, it boils down to the limiting beliefs. And the limiting beliefs will tell the person, actually, I haven't got time to do it or I'm not worthy to have time. And if you don't think you've got time to do these things, you won't do it. But actually, there's things you can do. It doesn't matter if you've got one kid or 15 kids, you know, exaggerating an example. Yeah. For example, like every now and again, I'll get an, I'll take I'll take my kids to school in, in an Uber so I can do some work or I can even meditate in the back of a car with my kids there as well. It's kind of like instead of, instead of driving or... What I'm trying to say is, 
if you want to do this, you can, there are different techniques and ways to do things, yeah. right? And it's finding those pockets. And that's the other thing. It can be a pocket, right? Don't look at this as like a chunk of time. It can be micro moments as well. You know, giving yourself like, you know, it, you know, and like often, you know, when I work with parents, that morning time can sometimes be sacred. And I know our sleep is just as important, but actually mm. that morning time when the house is still yeah. 20 minutes yeah. earlier can make a huge difference. Yeah. And also understanding, you know, that this isn't going to be like this for the rest of your life as well. We always go through seasons. So maybe now is a season when things in your day are really vibrant. So I maybe, you know, wake up 20 minutes earlier to kind of just give myself me that time to reflect. Yeah. Um, you know and like you said or finding how else it works for you getting the uber or um you know if there's you know if your kids are in a club instead of saying yes to something else can you this yeah. is that one sacred pocket of time i think you're right so when, when you when you ask the question what does life harmony look like that is the really important question whereas well i fell into the trap but i thought well, if i can get my business absolutely flying everything else will fall into place like money to provide for my children but i put so much effort into my business i've got relationships i've got mental health i've got well-being i've got spirituality and actually you, you don't you don't um fit your life into your career you fit your career into your life and that's the most important thing and yeah. that's where people go wrong and i think it's taking a step back and going actually the whole slowing down to speed up if if if, if i deem the most important thing is to make another sales call Actually, the most important thing might be to go and have a 15 minute snooze. So I'm much more prepared for that sales call. It doesn't always have to be what you think it is. Yeah. And one thing I'm realizing as well is if I am calmer, more rested, if there's a bit more space, your your it comes down to that energy cup right your energy cup is full so you can give so much more you are more creative you have more ideas about how you could do things differently um because i think was it last week i don't know i think i just gave myself the friday i was like i cannot because i'm getting to this point of like things are getting too much yeah i need some time off and um don't remember. I mean, I was doing something stupid, but I, I remember still then, like, then the ideas started to come. I was like, oh, but I could run things this way. I could yeah, do this. But that would never come no. in, in all the doing that we do. And that, that you know, that, and I always, and I always say to myself, I've been, re I've been so incredibly blessed that, you know, in terms of having my family, my loved ones and, and people I love around me, but I always think to myself, like, if God forbid something has to happen, someone has to die or, you know, I, mm. like, how important is this thing that I'm stressing about now really going to be? Yes. This email, yes. this call, this deal. And I get it. Those, those, you know, some of those things can have a really ripple effect. Mm. But with those big, big things, it it takes it, it, takes it away. Definitely. I think as well, it's about, I want to talk to you about all your kids stuff in a minute, but it's about, as an example, I've got a personal trainer and uh, she said to me yesterday my clean is brilliant she did, doesn't, doesn't just clean the house she also prepares my meals for me i was like wow that's amazing and it's not it's not everyone's got the money to do that but there's there's things like that where if you can outsource yeah what, why spend three hours a week cleaning your house when you can it'll cost you 50 quid for someone to do it if yeah. I, I just think it, it, there's no shame in doing that i think sometimes we feel like we have to take the kids to school every day ourselves well why can't you put them in an uber and someone else do it it's things like that as well isn't it yeah yeah and it's also then because if you know if that and again that works different it's different things for different people yeah. and there's no right answer and i think the biggest thing there as well like oh but if i put my kids into an uber what are parents going to think at the school gate that's their problem mm. like you know you've got that 15 minutes in so you're going to show up 
in so much more yeah. energy and vibrancy because you've had that time to yourself. And then like in terms of the impact that would have when you then spend the quality time with your yeah. kids. Because it's also not about like how much, you know, parents that I work with are, you know, high performers work hard. Yeah. Time, time is limited. Mm. So they don't have a chunk of time. But spending those 10 minutes with their daughter or their son, maybe as oh, they're, 100%. you know, reading or as they're just yeah. like, you know what, just show me your game. That yes. compounded over yes. time makes oh. so much more of an impact that, okay, we've now got Tuesday afternoon, I'm going to sit with you Tuesday afternoon. That's the other point. You know, I, 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 I've learned this. If, if I give my, my, my children half an hour, absolutely couldn't more than this, but if I, when I started giving them at least half an hour quality time, I 100% focus, it was worth like three weeks of me yeah. beating my phone, trying to do an email. Oh, yeah, that's good. And, you know, doing, and it's, 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 mm. it's amazing what can, the difference that you can do in terms of you just kind of just like and so i want to talk to you about that about the boundaries setting and you know you have to do this for your children as well and if you are working you, as long as you explain and communicate daddy's working for the next half an hour but in half an hour we're going to do this yeah it's yeah. communication is it is it not purely communication it is communication and you know it's what children want most is connection to be seen, heard, and understood. I mean, equally us as adults too, right? Yeah. But it's it's that understanding. You know, obviously as children get older, it's a bit easier to have these kind of boundaries in place. But, you know, even saying, do you know what, Tommy, I know this is really important to you and I want to listen to what you have to say. Mm. Give, you know, give daddy 10 minutes. I mean, they don't have a concept of time. So if you've got like a sand time, we're saying when it's this time, you know, this, yeah. is, daddy, this is daddy's working time and then this is our time. You know, so you, you take that minute to connect you validate mm. what they're feeling you mirror that mm. and then it's this you know it, it, it's reinstating that boundary but it's and again this will look different and obviously the more you can front load and have these conversations before the time so it's not now you're just working like they know like okay yeah. this is daddy's working time you know and i also find things especially with younger kids like even like having visual timetable and showing okay it's daddy's working time now and then mm. when we're we're it's here this is our time so that they can see you know because at schools we've got visual timetables all the time and i find that 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 helps That's explain really things too so what what um, what are the sort of issues and problems that parents come to for in relation to their children? Yeah, oh, I mean a mixture. I think definitely, you know, anxiety is a big thing at the moment. I'm seeing mm. a lot of that, um, and I do feel, you know, that's obviously, you know, we're still that it's still pandemic. I, you know, I want to put that into play. It's that it's the hangover effect of that. Um, social skills as well, friendships, you know, not being very confident. Because yeah. again, if you think about the pandemic, all those relationship building skills, children didn't have the opportunity to do that in terms of making friends. And I think just in terms of emotional resiliency, I find mm -hmm. overall children are struggling with. And, you know, it was really sad because one of the kids that I was working with, um, well, I wasn't where I, I created pre-recorded material, but it was mum and I that we worked together. And she said, you know, my daughter's turning 10, but she said, mommy, I don't feel like I'm double digits. I feel like I'm still seven because of, <laughs> you know, and I thought, you know, mm -hmm. but that's so true. Yeah. And it's, you know, children, if I think of, you know, where a year six typically would be now in terms of, but it, they, they, they're struggling. And I'm now working with, you know, children who are eight and nine that, that struggle a lot with separation anxiety that you'd normally see in, you know, the early years. Um, and then obviously there's always another big thing I, I'm seeing a lot of is 
um, struggling to, you know, navigate mistakes, this resiliency. When I make mistakes, I get, you know, I'm bad, I'm stupid, I get yeah. soon. That results in the big, the big outbursts, the big meltdowns. Um, so yeah. really that fixed mindset and the pressure that they put on themselves to be perfect. Mm. Um, do, you, do you feel that, the, 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 or having witnessed the parents kind of in denial or getting defensive, when, when you do highlight actually... Is it more often than not the way that isn't it how they're parented? And then you've got you've got to confront that with the parents that actually, mum, you should have done this, we should have done that. Isn't it quite quite a touchy way? It's quite a touchy subject, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. I mean, I think I think, you know, sometimes some of the kids I work with, their timetables are busier. Well, <laughs> they're fuller than mine. Um but to be honest with you, the parents that come to me realize that they 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 want things to be different. Right. They they yeah. are open to the change, and and they'll often say to me, um, "I can see myself in my child, and I don't want my child to right. basically end up like me." Not that that anybody's broken, but it's just I want my child to be able to do things differently, mm. you know. And especially when it comes to perfectionism and that resiliency of embracing failure. Um, and understanding, you know, I've got a problem with this and I can see this in my child and I want things different for my child. Because in, 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 in a way, yes, you're coaching the child, but you're, you're coaching the parents in a child. That's what you're doing. Yeah. And that's more what I'm moving towards now as well, because we can't. And, you know, there is no end, first of all, there's no end goal in parenting. It's an ongoing journey. Yeah. And just when you think you've got it sorted with your eight-year-old, then you hit the tween years, right, and the teen years, and, like, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. But um, I think, sorry, I forgot your question. What was your question? No, it's about, about the whole inner child thing, isn't it? And I, I, I feel the reason why you're really good at what you're doing is because you've experienced that anxiety and uh, limited belief yourself, but actually you also recognise that even adults were children, really. So. No, and and there's no like parenting is the hardest thing you're ever going to do. I think mm. on this planet, you know, mm. there's no, and it's the thing you're not qualified to do. There's no yeah. manual. There's no book. No. You are parenting with your experience as being a child and yeah. what you thought was normal. Because let's be honest, we all have our frame of reference of what we think it was. Then you've got what society says. Then you've got the fact that. Well, like I said to you, majority, most of the parents, actually every single parent I've worked with, but I'm sure there are others out there, mm. we were taught to regulate our emotions in the right way. We weren't, you know, we weren't taught about our thoughts, about any of these stuff. And so it's in terms of, especially when it comes to regulating our emotions, because that is so, so incredibly hard. So so ha, ha, if I came to you and said, look, my, my five-year-old, uh, hasn't got very good regulation with his emotions, i.e., you know, he'll, he'll cry, he'll scream, he'll shout, or he'll, he'll be quite reactive, or, you know, he'll, he'll strop, or he'll, you know, all the usual stuff. What, what, what's, 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 what do you do with that? Definitely first educate you in terms of understanding what's going on with your child's brain and mm. why they're behaving that way. And that they're not doing that to press your buttons, but it really is down to developmentally how their brain is wired in terms of that they don't have those executive functioning skills of that prefrontal cortex developed yet. So it's that emotional hub of the brain that's fully in charge. Their emotional hub of the brain is is what's kind of running the roost. And, and that prefrontal cortex, which I was referred to the kids, that thinking part of your brain mm. um, that helps you to stay in control, to help you make decisions, to think clearly, yeah. to 
have empathy. That part is not fully, you know, that part is not fully developed yet. And so what often happens, and Dr. Daniel Siegel uses the hand model of the brain, you know, I've got my thinking brain and my feeling brain. What can often happen is if, you know, I'm in those big emotions, I flip my lid. And when I flip my lid, that thinking brain sort of in control and my feeling brain has taken power. Mm-hmm. And so we as adults, we've got a fully fully formed prefrontal cortex, right? Maybe not, we don't, maybe not always, like we do, but it is there. And we need to co-regulate with our children because they simply don't have the ability to regulate by themselves yet. And it's a skill. It's the same as if I say to you, no, Chris, uh, I expect you to speak, I don't know, assuming you don't speak Japanese, fluent Japanese in the next hour. And like, yeah. well, why can't you do it? But come on, but, but you should be able to do this. It, you're not doing it because you can't, like because you, you don't want to or because you're trying to press my buttons, you're trying to antagonize me or you're misbehaving. It's because you haven't developed those skills yet. So what, what would you say or do to the child though? So it is about, I do educate the children about understanding the brain. We look at the thinking brain, the feeling brain. We look yeah. at what we can start to do when we feel these big feelings in our body. So beginning to explore what does anger feel like? You know, yeah. it might be a tight, and it's different, you know, but generally it's like heart racing, tight fist, you know, lots of energy in my body. And those little body signals are signs that the big feeling is on the way. So understanding, okay, you know, what can I do to calm those big feelings, to hold onto my power? So using power breathing or using move it to lose it, my body, moving my body to lose the big feelings. Mm. Um, And equally teaching parents that as well. So understanding, okay, you know, sometimes they can use language, where are you? You're about to flip, you know, sometimes kids can say, I'm about to flip my lid. Most likely they have flipped their lid, but it's about parents regulating themselves. Course. And understanding, okay, my child's not actually giving me a hard time. They're having a hard time right now. Mm. And I need to regulate myself. I, I, I've witnessed parents demanding or wanting hugs and affection with their children on the premise that they think their child wants it, but actually they need it more than the child. What would you say to that? Yeah, it's hard. I think, you know, our language of love might be very different to our children. You know, they might not be tactile and you are tactile. I think that's yeah. really interesting to, to be, yeah. to, to, to learn about as well. Um, and I think, you know, what's important is asking your child what they, what they need. Um, you know, and I, and I did have this with a, a family that I worked with just in terms of, you know, um, daughter would often get her meltdowns and, they'd have a conversation about this, not in the meltdown phase. So when the brain is calm and regulated in terms of, yeah. you know, I don't know, do you know what Susie, sometimes when you, when you flip your lid and you feel those big feelings, those are really big, heavy, heavy feelings. What can mommy do to help you? Tell me what might help you. Now, sometimes, you know, most of the kids I work with are pretty articulate. They're able to say, and so in her case, yeah. she said, I don't want you to touch me, but I also don't want you to leave the room. I just want you to stay there. Right. And it was against what mum wanted because mum just wanted to like, touch and reassure but mm. she said actually when she did that she was like it's really weird it the the, the outburst would still occur but they're they yeah. go down a little bit quicker and um and i also think you know when it comes to hugs and kisses and stuff i mean that's a whole con you know topic of consent and you know we're so like give granny a kiss give you know but if your child is not comfortable with that mm. then listen to that because and i you know i'm really you know this is a really important topic because we want our children to be able to say no to stand up for themselves to be assertive but we don't want them to do it with us i think yeah i mean parents i've been guilty of this you know if 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 one of my kids doesn't want to piss or hug me i i I take it personally 
And that's just such a wrong or sort of incorrect thought process, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, you know, and understand, and it's okay to have that, like tell yourself, look, I understand yeah. I'm feeling like this because I want the hug, but maybe it's a conversation that you then have with your kids about, okay, look, I totally get it. You know, hugging is not your thing. And you know what? It's daddy's thing. So can we maybe come up with something halfway? Can we come up with like a funky handshake? Maybe <laughs> can we come up, you know, I mean, or like, you know, something that we can do um, because understanding again, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's I think it's really important that we're we're listening to those no's that our children have because we can't expect them to say no in the big wide world if they're not feeling safe to do that at home that's one of the biggest takeaways there because if if a child is saying no and if you don't respect that that, the damage that causes you know I think boundary setting is so important in life and business Mm -hmm. and relationships and it's 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 these kind of conversations that parents are going to think oh right that's mm-hmm. and it's and I think that and they can probably see it in themselves that this is what oh this is why I can't set boundaries because I was told no it can be things like my dad repeatedly told me to shut up or he, he, he repeatedly said no to me and it, it kind of it felt it felt to me it felt like that 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 um stopped me having courage and confidence and it didn't teach me to set boundaries it kind of it worked in the reverse I think I think I think it's just so important how we the, li- the most littlest things can actually have the biggest impact. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, look, I can hear parents saying that, but but there are some things that I, my child has to do. Like, no, don't put your coat on, don't put your shoes on. No, I'm not going to school. Yeah, of course. It is a fine line. And I would say, you know, and, you know, boundaries are also those non-negotiable boundaries. Your primary role, obviously, you love your children, but it's to keep yeah. them safe. And yeah. so some of those non-negotiable boundaries, like it might, they might say no, and they might not like something. Mm. but it's but those boundaries also there what i'm trying to say is like it's there to keep them safe and boundaries give children structure and it lets them know what to expect but um it is a fine line and i would say you know there are of course your non-negotiable boundaries in terms of screen time or whatever those 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 rules are that you've got and and if they're angry you know a a line that i often like to use and and again it's a lot about first of you first of all you being able to regulate your emotions and understanding that that will be hard but also then taking the time to to mirror and connect their feeling. Look, I get it. I know you're mad right now. I know you're disappointed. You really wish you could get more time on this iPad. I mm. get it. And I love you enough. For you, I love you enough right now for you to be mad at me. Yes. We we need you know we need to look out and like this is part of the agreement that we've had. This is part of that, and it's okay. And if you need to roll around, if you need to you know scream it out it's okay but it's still going to be no so it, you know it is it's not saying right you know they can just rule the roost and do whatever they want Absolutely. Just pause for one second yeah absolutely fascinating so in, in, in terms of the, the your your business then um what's the vision and plan for it are, are you just a solopreneur at the moment do you want to sort of expand this to to, to a bigger horizon uh, yeah, no, I'm a solopreneur. Um, at the moment, and it's hard because people want me, I'm the brand. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, I've thought about bringing associates in. But at the moment, that doesn't, you know, I've listened to that voice, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't feel right. Um, so I tend to go with uh, what lights me up, I think what excites mm-hmm. me. Um and for me, what really excites me is working more with parents, but supporting children through parents uh, and group work with parents. So I think yeah. that's something else that I'm considering in terms of group coaching programs and also creating 
content and and i've been trialing this out with some families where i um you know create video content that parents sit and work through with their children so it's not them teaching their child i literally am teaching you and your child how mm-hmm. to work through things and the, the the feedback i'm getting from that is um is really really good in terms of you know parents are saying the conversations they're having with their children that they'd never have just because of the questions i'm asking them to talk about the content that they do that they're doing together mm-hmm. because the parents are printing off sheets for themselves and figuring out their big feelings and drawing their angry characters so really letting your inner child come out to play um you know they are learning hands on the the words how to communicate what to say but but they're learning from their child and i mean the best is when i get messages and dm saying I didn't know my child was worried about this. Never has he ever opened up. But through that, you know, what we were talking about, all of these things have come up and, you know, we've been able to go to school and sort this out. And through that then as well, I then spent more one-on-one time with parents. So I find I'm I'm loving that. Like I find that's where I'm coming alive. And then equally, you know, the, the, the corporate workshops that I'm providing and really looking how I can make that more sustainable. Because I think as we're moving forward, mm. you know, companies are wanting to do really well by their staff. And so parenting is a big thing, you know, parent, you know, your job, you're always switched on as a parent. And the meltdown that your child has or the fight that you've had because he's forgotten his violin, <laughs> you know, or whatever that is, like that carries with you into the day. Yes. And so it's 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 recognizing, you know, how can we support our parents in in the works, you know, in the workforce as well. Mm. Fascinating. I'm sure there's many people that would love to utilize your services. Um, I think it's important that you love what you do. And I think it's important in the sphere that you're in and I'm in as well. And most people are in what I like about you is you've experienced what you're coaching. I think that's, that's, that you, you've got the bit of paper and the experience as well, but I get a real sense of it's your calling. It's your, it's purpose led leadership podcast. I feel like you've got, it's your purpose and it feels like this is very fulfilling, rewarding for you as well as obviously you get the money as well, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. It absolutely is. Um, but in saying that as well, there's no, but it's an and, and it's, <laughs> yeah, it's no, but it's an and. <laughs> It's also recognizing, okay, I need to, I need to make sure that I'm looking after me. And it goes back to that thing of doing a lot yeah. and actually now realizing, hold on. And and, and, it, and I'll be honest with you, it is at a scary space now because yes. I'm so good at doing this stuff. Yes. But actually, in order for me to get really good at the stuff that's lighting me up, I need to get let go of. 100%. I mean, in, in, in the world that we're in, um, it's a different the same world really where we're coaching and advising other people it's really important that i mean if i if i heeded three quarters of the advice i gave i'd be a superstar by now you know but i think i think i think it's it, it does expend it's not necessarily physical energy but emotional energy and, and unless you're in tune with that you've got to, you've got to top up your own tank as well and i would advise any coach to have their own coach i've got three different coaches and i think it's, it's transformed me I, i'm not afraid to say that everyone needs good people around you don't matter if you're a psychologist you're qualified you've been doing it for 50 years Tony Robbins has got his own coach what would you say to that 
Yeah. Oh, no, 100%. I mean, at the moment, <laughs> I will, I'll do, I'll, again, in Natalie style, we, we we go all in. So at the moment, I've got about four, well, four different programs supporting me and coaches. Supporting me, so I realized it's probably not the best thing. I've, I've yeah. <laughs> but, but absolutely, you know, in terms of, and there's been a while, you know, I've definitely invested in coaches before. And then I think it's also important to stand on your own two feet to, to yes. get back into trusting yourself. Yes. But it always goes into... I could, re you know, for me, I realized I need to make a change, but how do I do that? And obviously that's then mm -hmm. looking at, okay, how can I get there? I think um, it goes to that gut feeling. You know, I went for two or three years where I didn't need a coach, I didn't, and, and I was right, and I was making decisions. And then it's kind of like, okay, and I'll need it again. It doesn't have to be forever. You, you, yeah. It's about knowing which dial to press and when. And I think only only you know that. And I think I think you also know when you're kidding yourself as well, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So that's um, exactly it. That's exactly it. You know, and it's just, yeah, it's tuning into that. It's been an absolute pleasure, an absolute thrill and really interesting stuff. Before we kind of leave, what, um, what would you like to leave the audience with? You know, the parents listening to this, the working parents, what, what sort of two or three tips or pieces of advice would you like to leave them with? Number one, I would say let go of the guilt because I know every parent I speak to feels guilty and know that you are learning as well. You're a learner on this too. Nobody has it all figured out. Mm. Um, number two, I would say definitely look at learning more if you haven't already, just in terms of developmentally what's going on in your child's brain, because so often those power struggles, the things that really presses our buttons. Yeah has a lot to do with our expectations not being met but it's because of where they're at developmentally so yeah. even simple things like you know why is he not getting dressed on time and he should be able to have breakfast and leave the house that's still a skill so instead of thinking my child should do this it's yeah. more okay my child needs to develop the skill of doing this yeah. and i need to help him and that in itself starts to change your expectations and then i'd also say you know, if you can, like micro moments of just connecting with your child, those small five, 10 minutes every day, that stacks up over time if it's quality connection. And even if it's something simple, like, do you know what? For the next 10 minutes, I'm going to play a game that you want to play. Like, let me step into your world. Because there's a quote, and I don't know who quoted it, but, you know, children on the lines of it says, you know, children don't come back after school and say, I had a hard day. Can we talk? They say, can you play with me? Do. And play is how they make sense of their world. It's how you can connect to them. It's how you can, you know, find out more about what's yeah. going on. It's, it, it builds, it solidifies that connection. Um, and it can be small, like I said, 10, 15 minutes. You know, it doesn't have to be. But, but also every time you don't, it's a little chink in their little armor, isn't it? And that can compound as well yeah yeah and look don't beat yourself up if there are some days you can't but i think it, it it's like the more deposits you put in that bank yeah, yeah. you know it it's that's the thing so um so yeah those are my three tips fantastic <laughs> fascinating i want to i want to speak to you more on it you never know i might even get you in to help me with some of my stuff so I'm, I'm, I, I know i'm a good parent but you know you always want to be better don't you so You're, yeah and like i said there's no end goal right so your yeah. kids are your kids are there's like every and like even you've been through it with one child and then another child you're like well nobody told me about this like this yeah. you know this wasn't part of the plan <laughs> the first time around so yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you. It's been a real, it's been a real pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Thank no you. No problem. Where can people find you? The best place? 
Yeah, so on LinkedIn, so uh, Natalie Costa on LinkedIn. Uh, my website is powerthoughts.co.uk. It's up on there as well. So yeah, reach out. And to Instagram, me. right? And Instagram, yes. And Instagram, so that's powerthoughtsnc. So NC for Natalie, so you can find me on Instagram as well. An absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you very much. The Purpose-Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincherry, the recruitment operating system used by over 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincherry because I'm a customer and I love their modern rec operating system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle and back office operations of executive search, perm, contract and temp businesses. If you're looking for a breed of new tech partner, talk to Vincherry. They have followed us on support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners.